This is Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and this is my co-host, Spencer. We want to bring you an American perspective on the world game. Welcome back to another episode of Fish and Fries, an American soccer podcast. I'm Andrew, and I'm here with my buddy Spencer, who is so excited for this third place game. Spencer, how we doing, buddy? Croatia versus fucking Morocco. What we've all been waiting for, baby. (laughs) Third place, bronze medal on the line. I am just so pumped up for it, Andrew. Um, I, I guess it's what we've all been begging for for months now, and I just can't wait. How about you? What everybody wants to know is these teams who literally just had the worst soccer experience of their entire life. Well, I guess maybe not Croatia. This is actually pretty nice for them considering how it went last time they were in the World Cup. But to make these guys go stay in Qatar and hang out for another weekend and play a meaningless game of defensive football, it's everything you could want from FIFA. It's a poor decision. And uh, bet on that. But no, we are here to talk about Argentina. Talk about Croatia, their first game, and then France and Morocco as well. But how you doing, buddy? Doing good? Doing pretty good, man. A um, couple eh, anticlimactic semifinal games, kind of. Mm. They they both were just once, you know, the second goal in each game went in and it was 2-0 to what, whichever side. It kind of felt done and dusted in both of them. But still... Um, Look, at the end of the day, I'm a big believer that if you told me pre-tournament we were going to get Argentina versus France in the final, then um, I, I'd have bought that stock every single time, Andrew. And that's that's a very tasty final. So I, I think we got to be pretty content with how it all shook out. Yeah, I I mean, you could have drawn it up this way. I, I know one of us had at least half of this game, right? Um, headed in here. So, uh, And you had France in the final, didn't you? I know. I had the other half, and I... I so, I mean, as, as a group, we're basically geniuses. Yeah, clearly, we're the only two people in the world who could have possibly predicted this Argentina-France uh, final, and even then, it took two of us to do it, so... Well, all these other clowns were saying Brazil was going to be there, and I told everybody that they were going to lose to Argentina, but they didn't even get there. They lost to Croatia, Andrew, so what can yeah. you do? Yeah, and everybody knew uh, Spain was going to be watching at home. So we all have our takes, and to be honest, <laughs> it's been a really, really good, fun tournament. These last couple – Spencer was right earlier. These last couple games themselves, once that second goal went in, which is an obvious thing to say, right, but – These were not the most competitive, but I think we've kind of achieved the most competitive possible final. We've got the returning champs, France, beaten, battered. They've lost more players than other teams even have, right, coming into this final. And then you've got Argentina, Leo Messi, rolling the clock back, doing it one last time, resting in a farmer's league for years, just so he'd have the energy to try to put his country over the top. Yeah, resting in a farmer's league in France. So it's uh, all those PSG stands that are sitting there in Paris. Um, I'm sure they've become well adapted, Leo Messi hardcore stands, but um, I, I don't think there's any conflict there. They've got to be rooting for France in this instance. But yeah, it's uh, they, they have to, if they really want um, their team to win, they have to see their one of their golden boys on PSG because they're like a three-man team, but they have to see one of their golden boys 
suffer what would probably be the worst defeat in his entire career <laughs> and come back to the team all upset. So it's, it's an interesting storyline wise. I'd, I'd like to take this time to talk about PSG midfielder and one of my genuine least favorite players ever, just because of FIFA. Marco Verratti just sitting at home watching everybody else on the team have these World Cup runs and just not going him. Just him and Donald Uruma just hanging out, playing. Just been chilling. Probably. Eating cannellonis. Chilling. Just a lot of baguettes for them, you know, while the rest of their countrymen and team members are are participating here. But no, I Leo Messi, man, a student of the game. How is France doing this? They're so good. Oh, half of their players don't play anybody all year, so they have all this energy? All right, fine. <laughs> Watch this. Yeah. Um, I, I, we'll talk more about France a little later, but what France is doing is crazy. Like, if you I, – I think I started to look at them, and I'm just like, they could field three teams that could all make, like, the quarterfinals in this tournament. France is so damn deep. They're just – they're insane. They're missing – what in the last few tournaments we've said Paul Pogba is like their best player every time besides Kylian Mbappe and then Conte their actual best player yeah not even there both of those guys he he won this little award last year I can't remember what it's called oh the (laughs) what award did he win Spencer who's the reigning it's the balloon Dior trophy Uh, or something like that yeah something with helium for sure something that something that Christian Dior is sponsoring I'm pretty sure but um <laughs> yeah what they're doing is crazy like I mean even the last game Rabio who's a bit divisive in, in himself was right. sick they're and they just really they, well for them yeah yeah they, and they throw in one of the 77 Fafanas in world football and he Come does on. a job and they're fine yeah it's Chelsea's crazy for sure looking at him um <laughs> But uh, no, let's let's give credit to. We'll start with the first game here. Let's let's give some credit to Leo Messi and the Argentines, taking it three nil over Croatia. Um, after the Messi penalty, there's that quick your boy top three goal scorer for Man City on a bad day, Julian Alvarez just having himself a time in this World Cup, man. The the joke I was uh going hard in just two footed in on Twitter and getting some uh, upset replies was that we sent the tournament its best striker and Holland sitting on the beach in Abu Dhabi right now, just chilling and still the best striker of the tournament plays for Manchester city, but a little tongue in cheek on that. He Julian Alvarez, that is, he has been so good for this team. He's linking up so well with Leo Messi. Um, it's an awesome story. I don't know if you saw, Fab tweeted it out, like the picture of Julian Alvarez taking a picture when he was like nine or 10 years old with Lionel Messi, like super growing up in Argentina, super Leo Messi stan, like so obsessed with him. And now he's playing alongside him as a young guy and playing in a World Cup final. But he's been so good. Um, Obviously, the run, it was maybe... For that second goal, that is the run he makes is one of the most beautiful, awkward mm-hmm. goals I've ever seen. Where he makes the, the run is all great, yes. and, but it gets it gets broken up about four times, and he just keeps like you just keep running. The ball just keeps falling to just him. Just keeps yeah. getting it back. It felt like the type of goal where if you're playing FIFA, we've had this happen against us, and someone just runs straight at you, and you break it up four times. And <laughs> Uh, there's a FIFA developer sitting somewhere that's just like, I told you our game's realistic. God damn it. 
Uh, yeah, no, the my two thoughts on how good Alvarez has been in this tournament is that uh, as a Chelsea fan, I'm upset the panic by young hot striker from this tournament is already playing for Manchester City because who man would Todd Bowley be queuing up $100 million to whatever club he was playing for in, uh, in Argentina. So really, they actually lost out. They should have held on to him for another year. It could have made an extra $70 because Todd would have paid it um, is the first thing. And then two, like you bringing it up like, oh, yeah, it just kind of keeps falling to him. Like Leo Messi's a magician in a good sense of the word, right? Oh, how can you take the ball off him? Julian Alvarez is kind of a magician and like there's some sort of magic happening here where the ball just keeps being within his reach and then Croatian players don't clear it. But either way, man, two magicians and they got it done. And that after that messy penalty, it was did not look good for the Croatians. Yeah, I I, I feel that like Messi's like David Copperfield or whatever, uh, like who's like Chris Angel, like the mind freak. He's got the crazy Vegas show. He's like the most famous magician in the world and. Julian Alvarez is more like your, oh, there's some magic act at my local civic center tonight. Like you, you watch it, you sit down and he does these card tricks and you're like, I know he's doing, I know he's cheating somehow, but like, it's fucking my brain up a little he's, bit. He's the guy <laughs> at the end of the TikTok video who was like, oh, did you like this card trick? Yeah. Do you want your watch back? Oh, he stole my watch. I wasn't even paying attention. <laughs> it's like both are magic. One's different than the other but um no but like to get back to a little bit more seriousness there like a really good kind of comprehensive win for argentina who especially after playing the dutch i feel like kind of needed a convincing win right to make this france title match like appeal well they had (laughs) they they had a convincing win against the dutch for 82 minutes like we talked about last time (laughs) just (laughs) And then they did not. And then they had the opposite of a convincing. Voot, voot. Voot, voot. And then, oh, man, what a what a time. But, no, um, to talk about the Croatians for a little bit, I don't think that they played poorly. The second that penalty gets goes to Messi and he drills it, it's just like, it feels like a very hard hill to climb. And I think they kind of responded well. And then that's partly why that Alvarez goal feels so good because it's like, what, like an 80-yard run, it feels like. Maybe I'm exaggerating there, but it just comes out of nothing. Croatia could have cleared it like three or four times, right, when the ball's, you know, they miss it and it still stays in Alvarez's wake. And then just just a tough break for the golden generation of Croatia. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know yardage-wise how long it was. It felt like Julian Alvarez had the ball for about an hour. seven minutes, Yeah, like of game time. Hour. <laughs> but he had it. It felt like he had it a good amount of stoppage time. Like a, a, a no, nah, that's good. Like a reasonable amount of stoppage time in this tournament is how long he had the ball. But um, yeah, for Croatia, um, <laughs> they just I, I don't know, man. They they um they weren't quite at it. I thought like uh, look, and I I think that's a little unfair. Argentina is just really really good. Um. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the penalty happens, and that's Alvarez who draws the penalty. Which I, right, I don't know. Yeah. There was there was a bit of debate about this. I I don't know. There's apparently you know. I I thought it was fine. I I, I thought it was a pen. It. Yeah, I didn't. Hate it. I I thought that my view on it was like if that happens at midfield, then you better call a foul and potentially a yellow card. And so if it happens in the box, it's still a foul. Um, 
look, I get that it was like shot and it was past him, but there's a solid chance that Alvarez doesn't get to that rebound. But look, I, it's in the box. You got to know better than that. That's kind of how I feel about it too. You can't clatter somebody. Yeah. Yeah, You can't clatter somebody. And they've been, and like, that's kind of the disappointing part, I think, for Croatia's because they've been so good at that this tournament, right? Drag the game out, play smart, don't commit the stupid penalty, don't commit, you know what I mean? Like, they've played the right way and to their benefit, right? This whole tournament. And in about 40 minutes, it all of a sudden would have felt like a Herculean effort to, to pull it back. It yeah. felt a step, it felt a step too far. For them to come back in that game. Well, and I, I think I agree with you even that after that penalty, they they responded solid to that goal, mm-hmm. but it was kind of just against the pace of play that Alvarez collected that ball and ran for, you know, 97 yeah. yards and just made this crazy run uh, that'll probably live in my memory forever and yeah. puts it in the net. And then it's 2-0 and then it's like, okay, well, this mission very hard is turned into mission impossible now. Um, Cause look, you're, you're not going to fancy Croatia. It's just not their style that you're going to fancy them to go out there and get two goals in the game, much less than basically a half at that point. So yeah. Yeah. It's um, once it got to that, it, it, like we said, it really felt like curtains, Andrew. Yeah. The closer we got to kickoff, I was like every 10 minutes that, Argentina doesn't score, right? It's like 10% more likely that Croatia wins this game. Yeah. Right? I was like, oh, if they're in the 20th minute, I feel like there's like all of a sudden like a 20% chance they win this game. You know what I mean? Like, and then once it didn't happen, right? Once it was the penalty and then just, you're right, man, just a backbreaker. Just the kind of thing they've been able to avoid all tournament and not really keep themselves in the game. And it was just really tough, man. It's just just a tough break. And honestly, to me, I don't, I don't know about you. I'm curious about your point of view on this. They just they looked like a team that, which they have. They look like a team that's been through a few battles. And they looked almost tired. Like, yeah. Look, they went they went all the way to penalties against Japan. They go all the way to penalties against Brazil. Um, they look tired, man. They look like that's that's two really really long games. Two hundred and twenty minute plus penalty games. Um, yeah. just physically and emotionally, like when Luka Modric came off in the 80th or so yeah, minute, he just, right he looked, he looked a emotionally yeah. just upset. Like he wasn't crying or anything, but you could just tell he was dejected kind of emotionally and physically. Like he just did not put in his best effort that he, he has an incredibly high standard, obviously, but mm-hmm. He didn't come particularly close to that in this game. And look, you just you play two grueling games like they did leading up to this. It just seemed like it caught up to them. Would you agree? I, I 100% agree with that. They also had to battle to get out of the group, right? Like France got to rest in their third group stage game. Argentina did too, so I'm not taking that away from them. But like they were always going to be one of the oldest teams in this tournament, right? which I don't know that that really plays a pace until you start playing 120 minute games back to back with emotional shootouts. Like it's, you know, physically, emotionally taxing. You got Luka Modric on his last ride. Like, you know, does this team, is it Kovacic's team now? Is it Guardiola's team? You know what I mean? Like where this team goes next is like a very 
interesting thing. Like, are we going to see them at major tournaments? Like, it's a real question because they are such a small country, which has made this, you know, golden generation so incredible, right? That I wonder, I wonder what we're going to look like. They've got a lot of really good players coming up, but, you know, they don't have a Rakitic who's already gone, Modric who's already gone, Kovacic who's, you know, nearing, you know, he'll be the old guy at the next one if they get there. Yeah, and I... I do believe that I saw like Modric maybe is around for the next European championship in two years. Like that's a possibility still, but yeah, this team's going to look a lot different going forward. This was probably one of their last real with, with him and the team at his top level. But like, that's, that's tough to say. Cause I think we said that last world cup that like this guy's going to start to fall off after this. And he's still one of the best midfielders in the world, but you, you would think father time would catch up at some point to Modric, but um, they have some nice young pieces. They could still be in and around these things. Mm-hmm. Just, um, yeah, it's, it's uncertain at this point. Um, yeah. but I, I thought just to kind of round out them in this game, um, something I noticed in this game that was hampering them is, uh, Gvardiol was just probably a matter of being tired. He was a little less effective than he has been in this tournament. And, to me, that really highlighted the fact that when you've got a guy like Dayan Lovren starting next to him, he's just, he's past it at this point. And when he doesn't have a guy like Vardial to really bail him out, it was a lot more noticeable to me that, hey, yeah. um, one of these center backs is really good and he's been kind of possibly bailing out the other one the last few games. Um, but it, it, I just think it came to rear head. At the end of the day, they... They had a really tough path to even get this far, and it just seems like it was all just too much for them in the end. As a guy who spends a lot of time watching a center back who's way too old to be actually contributing, but somehow is contributing, like that look of like that. And I'm talking about Tiago Silva playing for Chelsea, right? But like when you have an older center back like that, there is like there's there's such a thin line between experienced he's seen everything he's this world-class player right that can get you through everything and then there's that just like yeah sometimes the other guys are fast and or they're tricky and you can't quite run with them right you lose a step you lose something else there and it's just the line between like is experience gonna bail me out here right because I've seen everything before and I'm you know a world-class or a pretty good international level player or is it you know better to be inexperienced but be able to run like a deer like Bardiol and that's why you know our teams are going to be fighting over that guy for the next you know month at the very least probably Fab's already <laughs> stirring the pot on that one between us oh and we know Madrid look, fans David Ornstein is the official only guy we count as official reporters on this thing <laughs> Fab has Fab one too many times has gone to the well of just like catch, throwing an absolute straight at Chelsea being like I don't know if you guys know this but Nicolo Conte is almost out of contract he could just go to Arsenal it's like what are you doing Fab? well you hey, criticized hey. me for being a little bit of like a clout chaser on Instagram or on on Twitter so um Fab definitely I feel like this past summer with Bully found his stride of like man, I get a lot of traffic on these Chelsea tweets. Like, I'm going to keep just – any time, just put Chelsea Kunde in any player. Kunde is done. Kunde to <laughs> Chelsea is done. No, it's fucking not, man. Um. <laughs> but uh, last thing I really got on this game, Argentina, I don't mean to turn this into just a, like, eulogy for Croatia. We're going to talk more about Argentina, obviously, when we preview the final here in a little bit. I've got but, to listen um, an hour on the third place game. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> then we definitely got to start moving this along. But the, <laughs> the last thing I want to mention from this game uh, regarding Argentina is that that run by Messi for the third goal where he set up Alvarez, oh. I don't know if I've ever... Turn like, the clock back, baby. That was so vintage Messi. Like, that was probably the most messy moment I've seen from him live in four or five years or so. Like that, that was so fun to watch probably since like the, the era when Neymar was still at Barcelona and they were playing on opposite wings. Like he was still doing that stuff regularly, but Oh, that was, that was fun to see him turn back the clock, man. And part of that's because he plays in PSG, which we've talked about as a farmer's league and we're not watching that every week. And, when we are watching them, it's in the Champions League, which is the hardest time in the whole world to do that. So not that he can't do that or doesn't do that on a regular basis, but like it just felt like the old Messi. You know what I mean? It just felt like there's something so special when he puts Argentina on his back like that. And I know they're already two up in this game, but watching a dude just absolutely go off for his country and be a legend there and fill up to everything. Like, you know, you talk about like, I was going to mention this earlier when you were talking about Julian Alvarez and the picture and everything, which is a great story. But like, do you think you could pay someone 20 American dollars from Argentina to have them say a bad thing about Messi right now? Like, do you think you could do it? Do you think you could find someone in Argentina right now, just before they even play the final and be like, I'll give you 20 bucks if you say one bad thing about Lionel Messi. Do you think they could do it? Like American sports don't really have that. We're all so divided. You know what I mean? And even at like, the international level, right? Most people don't care about soccer. So then it's like the Olympics. And then it's a lot of sports people don't, you know, necessarily care about like outside of Michael Phelps. Like when was the last time somebody in the U S had such a like proven sterling record, you know, like Messi has for Argentina. Well, I, I think that's a, that's almost a perfect parallel for like American fans is what you just mentioned and go back to 2008 Beijing games and say, find somebody pay if you pay somebody $20 and they say something bad about Michael Phelps, like that's, that's the type of thing where I'd probably say, no, that's probably where Messi's at right now. Now that said, should he even go ahead? Sorry. Even then I was like, I think the most you could do is like find an Ohio state fan. And because he went to Michigan, they'll be like, would have been better if he's a Buckeye. And that's just even more dumb American sports stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. I think even that, yeah, sorry. That was, but yeah, no, I, yeah, but I just, I think that's, Almost, if you're an American person, that's like a great parallel is like the Michael Phelps and his prime of, what are you going to say bad about this person? Uh, Simone Biles at um, the, what, 2016 Olympics when she was going crazy and stuff and winning everything. Like, what are you going to say bad about these people? They're just, they're putting on for their country. They're doing everything amazing. Now, this is a slippery slope that if things go bad on Sunday, then I I do understand my understanding, at least from, you know, 30,000 feet away, uh, you know, several thousand miles away, I guess I should say, but my 30,000 foot view of not being boots on the ground in Argentina is that there is a little bit of a drama about that. He went to Spain so young and he's some Argentinians don't think he's Argentine enough. So that can all go negative very fast, but yeah, right now I'm totally with you. I don't, I don't think they have anything bad to say about him. He's a legend to them right now. No, and 
I think he's doing a really good job of kind of letting the young guys come into their own in this tournament, right? While he's still the best player on the team by country mile, right, for Argentina, Alvarez, he's playing the ball to Alvarez, right? He's not trying to do it all himself. The third goal, like we just talked about, is a perfect example of, like, he can do it all himself, right, when the moment comes. But um, there's been a lot of talk about, like, Julian Alvarez, Enzo Fernandez, like, young guys in this tournament really stepping up for Argentina, which is kind of what they've lacked in the past. It was just, like, is Messi and then, like, Angel Di Maria going to be enough to push them through as opposed to, like, letting the young guns go? And I think it's really paid off for them. But speaking of who can ruin the uh, ruin the parade for the Argentinians, we got France two, Morocco nil. Spencer, what are the takeaways from our second semifinal? Um, look, I think technically it ended up with no goals, no assists. But my takeaway from this game is uh, Kylian Mbappe is just really good at football, man. Just so yeah. good. He um, and, and look, we said that that Mbappe versus Akimi matchup was going to be the biggest thing in this game. I don't think Akimi necessarily did anything wrong. Just Mbappe went central a couple of times and mm-hmm. beat other people, and had about five guys around him twice, and got shots off that deflected to random French people, and they both ended up <laughs> in the back of the net. But look, uh, France is just. Uh, I obviously am somebody that picked Argentina to win this tournament. I have a rooting interest in them winning it. Granted, on our snake draft rewind, I am now guaranteed to win either way, which is at least a little consolation no matter what. But I'd love to see my pre-tournament favorite win. Not all of us. Not all of us love it. But France... They're scary right now. I mean, they're so scary. I referenced it earlier that they could probably go three, maybe four teams deep and all make it out of the group stage. <laughs> they're so good, dude. And they, um, look, to me, my big thing in this game was I felt like they, what do we say going into it? We were like worried about Morocco sitting back and having a, like letting France have a lot of the ball and doing this. France just go out, they score a goal, what, five, six minutes into the game. And then they're like, yeah, you guys can just, you guys can have the ball and we'll just counterattack you. How's that sound? Like now you're chasing the game. And I, like, if they didn't get that early goal, maybe the game's a lot different. Cause I thought Morocco played quite well in this game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I got to say, man, I'm just still really impressed with how Morocco played. It does. It did. France scoring early was always going to make be the worst thing for this matchup. Cause the last yeah. thing that this game needed as a neutral was this attacking all this crazy attacking talent of France, not attacking and all this, you know, crazy awesome defensive organization, you know, having to really push and open themselves up. So as a neutral, I would have really loved like, a third minute like ZX free kick to go in so that France really has to open it up and go through the gears. But your Morocco played well for a team I didn't think was gonna be great at opening themselves up and that kind of thing. Like they played well. They just they just couldn't get it done. And it seems like France kind of just was happy to sit back. You're right. Well they had Morocco that is they had chances and it what yeah. reared its head again. Finishing they their finishing is so bad dude like look we're obviously usa fans like what is morocco to me when we see it. 
Morocco to me is a slightly better American team. Like, am I crazy? Am I fucking crazy for saying that? Because like we Only couldn't because finish we've any already chances. beat them. We beat them recently. We beat them recently. <laughs> We, we beat are them three recently. goals better than them. We are three goals Ex- better than them. Exactly. Three goals better than them. But, like, I mean, <laughs> what what did Morocco's – how many goals did they score in this whole tournament, dude? Like, what, they, they they didn't score in the Spain game. They just went to penalties. They scored one goal um, against – holy hell, who did they play last round? They scored one goal against the European Portugal. team. Portugal, thank you. Um, they only scored – what three or four in the group stage. So we're talking about a team that scored five goals or something, this tournament, like uh, just off the top of my head, what Spain scored seven in a match. Uh, right. England scored six in a match. I think like a team, like, you know, obviously egg on my face. I shouldn't bring them up, but like Serbia, like Serbia scored five goals in the group stage and didn't make it out of the group stage. Obviously. And I don't mean that to discount, Morocco as a whole, like their defense was obviously set up beautifully and like perfectly and it's, it's worked for them, but goal scoring was a problem for this team. And if you go in and look at it, like in a game when they had several good chances, they had a lot of good chances and they, they couldn't convert any of them. Andrew. They just, they couldn't convert today or today, yesterday. No, I thought they were going to be able to kind of at least get back into the game late. I think it was already after the second goal for France. But when Koundé clears that one off the line, like that's the kind of like hustle, lucky goals that they've been able to kind of capitalize on this tournament, right? And when that went off the line, I was like, oh, there's there's no hope for this game. This is this is done and dusted. This has been their best effort. And, and that was pretty late, know. wasn't it, too? Yeah, that was pretty late. I was trying to scroll through and find exactly when it was here, but I'm sure it was two to. I'm sure it was two nothing at the time already. I think that. Yeah, I think that was like right at the end. But I mean, that would have at least added jeopardy to the last little bit of the game. But yeah, yeah, no, it's just like I, I would have liked that like consolation for them. It would have been fun to be like, oh, now we have eight minutes of highly intense overtime. Like, well, even if not that, like they that was a such a pro Moroccan crowd that I wanted them to get a goal oh. just to hear that stadium erupt, which would have been nice. Yeah, and I, I think they still like equip themselves well. They've a huge overachiever in this tournament. Um, guys like Arambat really kind of Arambat and uh, oh, what's the other guy's name who I was really impressed with? Saïs, right? Um, really had themselves a really nice tournament. Yeah, I, I don't. We um, we sat here last after they uh, beat Portugal, and we named like seven guys, and we didn't name Amrabat, and that was yeah, probably it was, totally it was a crazy un- oversight. Yeah, yeah totally yeah. unfair by us because he has been really good. He was even good in this game, I thought, in the midfield. But mm-hmm. yep. Um, look, at the end of the day, I if I'm pinning this on anybody on their team, um, I'm pinning this on their forwards because they just they, it's like they were. And not even just this game. It's not even me being short-sighted. Like every game I would have said. They were so good on for like, if I looked at a map of the field, 90% of the field, they were so good at. But then like once you got to that opposing penalty box, they just, they they didn't know what to do anymore. Like they, they, they found a few goals here and there. But I mean, like I said, the Spain game, they, they didn't do anything in that Spain game. And they just, they went to, except go to pit like defend and go to penalties. Right. I think they had like 20%. Which is, which is what they have to do, right? Yeah. That's how you have to play Spain. So like no discredit from them, but like 
I mean, I think the only other, the only real, even defensive thing I feel like you can be maybe critical of is Bono, who we were really happy with for most of this tournament. Did you think on the uh, Hernandez goal, do you think he hesitates too long on that early first goal for them? Because watching it live, I felt like Bono was waiting for them to like call him off sides or something. You know what I mean? He freezes for just like a second too long. And that's been a guy who's been rock solid for them. I, I hated I, to see that. I thought that was the same thing as the like Pickford chew him any chance thing where okay. I can't sit here and say it's a terrible play from a goalkeeper, but at this level when the margins are so fine, you would have liked him to react faster. Like, uh, like I think it was very, look, Mbappe makes a crazy turn, gets a shot off. It takes a weird deflection. And I think he just gets caught on his heels for just that half a second. And by the time he can shift his weight, it's too late for him to probably get to that ball. And he tries to stay at home and just make himself big and make the save. And um, Teo Hernandez knocks it in. I, but like I like I said, I, I think it's I, it's not a huge criticism of him I had. But at this level, when you're talking about a World Cup semifinal, yeah, it's... um that's the differences in the games. Yeah. And that's a lot of what we talked about Lloris against England, right? Where it's like, yeah, you're not always called on to make huge plays, but this is the difference between being like very good for your country and having a very good tournament and truly being an elite goalie. Not that he can't be an elite goalie, right? He, you know, like really been a coming out party for that guy, but I just hated to have it be such a, what I saw as like a, a goalkeeping, like, misstep right I, I watch Keppa and Mendy play I see tons of goalie missteps right so I knew one when I saw one but um they've defended so heroically 90% of the game and then it's just like oh, I, I felt I felt horrible for him um but yeah, yeah 100% man, it's it's been a it's been a wild ride for Morocco man we'll we'll talk more about France because we got them previewed for the next round here but like hats off to Morocco nobody saw this coming um, but they absolutely made the most of this in every, in every way. What, yeah. What and it was, yep. and it was fun to have them there. Like I look, I, I do think that I have a bit of a hot take on Morocco and that I listen to obviously a lot of soccer media and I, I don't think they're a boring team. Um, no, I, I think that they are for what I would call a defensive relatively, um, I keep saying negative. I was listening to the pod the other day. I always say negative. I had a better word for this. A non-progressive football <laughs> team. <laughs> They're not particularly progressive with the ball or anything. But no. for a team that set up, sets up like that, because there's a lot of these teams in the in They're world football. They're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Because they are at least they'll spring counterattacks and they're fast and they like, they, they have a lot of energy about them there for a team that sets up that way. They are fun to watch. Now that said, I do have a bone to pick with some of this soccer media that I hear. Like a lot of people are calling them fun. I think that's a, a little too far. I think they're a funner team for that type of setup. Um, let me put it this way. I'm not, I'm not shedding a tear that we're not getting that, that they're not in the final yeah. versus France. I would have way rather had France in the final. You, you want to see two heavyweights throw in the final, which is exactly what we get here, right? Would it have been interesting to see Morocco play Argentina? I actually think it would be, right? I think they're two very similar, like they're telling us two sides of the same coin. Um, whereas Argentina is so positive and attacking and that kind of thing, and Morocco is so negative. Like, I think 
I think kind of the the way to describe this Morocco team because you're right, they're like getting called like fun. Fun's a, fun's a step too far, right? We don't really want it. we want to see them play well, but honestly, they're a good foil to a good team, right? What they are is they're like soccer nerd cute is what they are, right? Like for somebody to and I mean here we are on the internet with a podcast, so. They're appealing to us as well, but for people who are really going to break down the tactics of, oh, look at how tight their defensive line is, and they break at the perfect place, and you know, like all the like little intricate stuff, I think that's what they are. I think that's how I would categorize them. I, I think a perfect like EPL parallel is like they're not Burnley, but they're like Brighton. Like they're they're not they're going to be more defensive. They're not going to like they're they're going to be more defensive. They're going to. They're going to sit back a bit. Like they obviously don't have the talent of like a France or a Spain or a Portugal, but they have talent on the team. There are good players there and they have quality about them, but they're pragmatic. They're smart Mm -hmm. and they're not just going like, like Burnley, when you watch them play, they don't have a lot of talent there. And they're just like, yeah, we are legitimately going to put 11 behind the ball and maybe get lucky on a counter attack. Whereas Morocco is more like Brighton where they're like, we might get in it. We're going to like, we're going to mix in some attacks here. We're not just nothing. And they also can't finish like Brighton can. (laughs) Whoa. Um, That's a Chelsea farm system. You're just taking shots at, bud. You keep that, those thoughts to yourself, one with Brighton, but no, I, I think like, the difference between them and a lot of other teams who go to the world cup to play defensive organized football and try to win one nil is they have legitimate world-class players at the, like playing at the top level of the sport, right? Like whatever you want to say, like jokes aside about Ziyech, right? Like he plays for Chelsea. He's a recently won, you know, like a very good player, a world-class type player. Akimi is the starting right back for PSG, which is an incredible thing. He's so good. Mesrawi, I think he's on Munich, right? He's at Bayern. Yeah, he's in Bayern. Right. He has been hurt a little bit and that kind of thing, but he's playing at Bayern Munich, right? You talk about Buffal, who, you know, played at Southampton. We kind of joked about that last time, right? He played to Southampton and then went to the French League where everyone gets uh <laughs> everybody gets their uh their re uh rehabbed um reputations, the word I can't find. But even like Amrabat, like you see now that he's getting he's Fabs getting linking him, man. he's getting linked to like bigger moves and stuff. So, yeah, it's a, it's they, they, there's a lot there's a lot more talent I think than any of us really looked. It was the type of team where when you looked at it from far away, you were just like, ah, oh, there's some good players there, but probably not enough about them. And kind of as we've gone on in this tournament, obviously them having a good showing helps. But when you really start to dive into it, you're like, yeah, there's what five or six like really world-class players in this team so it it definitely helps them be a little bit less negative than some of those other teams yeah and and i think that's kind of a good send-off for morocco i was joking earlier when i said we had an hour on them in croatia um just to touch on it real quick before we hit france and then start previewing our world cup final here i do think morocco has kind of more to play for than croatia because they're going to have the home crowd in this one so Real quick, I do think Morocco is going to win that. The third place I, game. I don't. I, I don't give a shit. I hope Croatia. I just wins. thought. I just thought <laughs> you like, especially when you brought up like you wanted them to score a goal for the hometown thing. Yeah. Right? Croatia. I can just be seeing like outside of Madrid being like, all right, one last go around. But you're saying already he's probably going to try to play in the Euros, right? So it's not really a true send off for him. He'll try to play in the Euros. Who knows if he'll get there. 
But like this Morocco team is going to have more to play for in front of a home fan, in front I, of their home fans. I, I think I agree that they should be fired up, maybe quite, maybe a little bit more since Croatia's already been to a final in the last World Cup. They've yeah. gotten that second place <laughs> this, already. This will be their worst finish in a, <laughs> a World Cup, no matter how they do. In eight years, at least. Eight so. years. What a, um, what, what a run to for them, Modric, man. Yeah. Uh, I guess if I'm if I'm taking a rooting interest, I might I probably won't even watch this game. I might wake up and try to see it, but um, yeah, I, I think I'm rooting for just Luka Modric to get that trophy for a third place. I don't know, do you get a trophy for it? Probably something. But. I hope he does one of my favorite things, which is like scores a beautiful free kick and they win one nil or something, and then Luka Modric just like when they hand him his medal, just like kind of snatches it and like throws it to the ground. Like this is not what we're here for. <laughs> Which is just one of my favorite things of just like, you know, you do want that in your house like 30 years from now to show you like, it's a major accomplishment. You did great, buddy. But guy plays at a higher level, man. Guy's I was going to say, player. like, as I started talking through that, I'm like, oh, I want him to get a trophy. But I'm like, fuck, he's got like six Champions League trophies, Real Madrid. He might even, it probably <laughs> doesn't even fit. So maybe not. I, maybe I'll root for Morocco. I, like I said, yeah. I just, I don't really care. Let's talk about this yeah. final because that's where, that's what I'm horned up final. for, dude. Like, like every kid in college right now. Let's talk about the final. Um, <laughs> but no, we got the. I mean, it's. Uh, I was about to say a very silly thing of the two best teams of the tournament, which that's how you get here. But France coming in as the favorites. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but no Pogba, no Conte. They lose Benzema right before the tournament, right? So, like, as far as a reigning champ and a favorite goes, they've actually had more to kind of like overcome right and they lost lucas hernandez right in the at the start of the tournament here but like let's talk about this final man we got argentina and france styles making fights so right before we talk about that i listened back to our last pod today and i owe um lucas hernandez an apology because i blamed him for that penalty in the last game because i get him and teo mixed up all the time i was like lucas hernandez what are you doing you idiot And he's at home with like a torn acl so sorry lucas (laughs) (laughs) teo was the one that messed up but um but yeah man this french french team is just they're really firing on all cylinders they were playing a little bit with fire in this last game like we said of opening themselves up to some Moroccan attacks. Um, I think they opened themselves up to some English attacks too, and those teams just couldn't get there. I think Argentina is the most dangerous of that group of three. And that look, we saw if Leo Messi's turning back the clock, um, like he was in that game against the Croatians. Um, if France keep giving up opportunities like that and they look a little shaky at the back like they have, it's probably their shakiest area so far, then they might be in trouble, Andrew. I, I think the interesting thing with both of these teams is they have such an incredible superstar, right, with Mbappe for France and Messi for Argentina. That like, But it's really been the supporting cast that's been really good and, and helped them get through this tournament. Like, as, as much as I want it to be like Messi versus Mbappe, is it more realistic to say like this is going to come down to like who's better, Julian Alvarez or Antoine Griezmann? Because like Griezmann's been incredible. Like we've gone like – He might be player of the tournament. I think he is player of the tournament right now unless Mbappe wants to score two and God knows that dude loves a final. So um, not that he's ever seen one for the <laughs> – or no, he has seen one I guess in Champions League. But 
Dude loves a final at the World Cup, man. Didn't he have two last time? I think. He had Sounds at least one right. goal, I know. But uh, <laughs> this is bad podcasting as we can't remember four years ago. But uh, I, I think this game is going to be like Antoine Griezmann versus like Julian Alvarez and like Enzo Fernandez to see who's going to get this going. Because especially for like Mbappe, we talk about the way England played them and really the way that Morocco played them most of the time is when you're when you execute your game plan and your game plan is to try to take Mbappe out of the team, right? What do you do with Mbappe and how does the rest of the team function when he's got all that attention? Well, and like something that we referenced that was a concern and even like way back in our previews about this Argentine team is um look like you can say what you want to about Odomendi. I think he's been okay, but even um their fullbacks were something I kind of pointed out of this is somewhere you can get at these team and with Mbappe playing on the wing, like, are they going to be able to hold up with that? Like he's been good in this tournament, but um, do we think like Molina or whoever they start out there is yeah. going to be able to neutralize Mbappe enough to where this is going? <laughs> will they have a, will they have a game plan that kind of is able to neutralize Mbappe? Um, I think that's a really, interesting matchup i also think for um argentina defensively in particular like we've, we've seen them struggle with tall center forwards in that netherlands game with uh, the voot foot train and the french forehead olivier Giroud is obviously a tall center forward that could uh cause them some problems so i i think france definitely has the ability to cause them problems as well in this game um uh, look, I, I think this is a final where we're going to see some goals. That's kind of how I feel about it. Like this might be that crazy, like three, two final of some way or another, which would be so fun to watch. Um, I would love to wake up at 9am and just watch a three to two or a, even a four to three or something. I, it sounds amazing, man. Yeah. I, I think a lot, that's what we'd all love to see. And I think that both of these teams, if you told them the score was going to be four to three, would fancy themselves, right, to take it in that, right? I think both these teams have a lot of offensive firepower. A lot of times, in, and you know this, what happens in these finals is it gets cagey, right? People get afraid to make a mistake. Like, um, when we're talking about, like, what do you do with Mbappe? I guess you have to also turn around and say, like, well, what do you do with Messi? The guy's everywhere, velvet touch, playing people through, taking on five defenders at a time. Like, I think it's easy with Mbappe to be like, oh yeah, do the Kyle Walker role. I you saying that about the fullbacks brings up a really good point of like, they don't have somebody to do the like Kyle Walker as much as you don't like him and he has his offensive limitations, right? Can do that role and that very few other people can do. And I don't think any of them happen to be Argentinian. Um, granted, you get Messi on your side to say like turnabouts kind of fair play. How do you stop that guy? But. Um, I think it's going to come down to who's kind of suspect back four because both have had their issues, right? France in their other games has looked a little shaky at the back and Larice has kind of bailed them out. I'm thinking mainly against England's the one that really sticks out in my mind where I don't think their back four did a great job, but Larice was there to pay him out. And so, you know, is it going to come down to Emmy Martinez being an absolute monster, an absolute psychopath and like penalty kicks or something like that? I, I'm just so excited for this final. I'm so excited for this final. There's there's a lot of storylines in this final. I'm I'm totally with you that there's there's just so many things to look forward to in it and I 
honestly don't know which I, I can very much see either outcome of either team lifting this trophy on Sunday because I I've heard arguments for both of them. I could make arguments myself for both of them. I can make very strong arguments for both of them. And I, I think it's, I think I, when I looked earlier, um, the line, I think Argentina is actually the favorite as of now, but it's, it's like a 52 to 48% chance of victory in this game. So it's one that on paper is really nice. I think it's something we're all super excited to watch. And I just, I can't wait to see how it plays out, man. I think it's like, to me, you were saying like you can make very good arguments for either. Like, my head says France, my heart says Argentina. It's kind of where I come down on it, and you could switch those around because I don't, you're right. It's not anything to say like Argentina can, can't win this game, or, you know, I don't think France has, does France really have enough firepower to overcome a team with equal firepower, right? Who's going to be more solid at the back? Like, it's, ugh, I'm so excited. Just so excited. I, I'm totally with you. I think um, my head pragmatically tells me France has look. They just have. It was the theme of the podcast last game with me, like of saying moxie, and France has this moxie about them. Um, they know how to win these type of games for sure. But uh, our like Leo feels like he has some magic about him. We should mention though. I did see today that Leo didn't train today because that uh, hamstring he was grabbing in the last game. Mm-hmm. Um, look, he was tight. It was tightening up early and that was before he made that crazy run that we talked about. That was vintage messy. So, um, you always wonder like, was the adrenaline going once the adrenaline wears off? Like, is that a problem type of thing? But I I can't imagine there's, I I don't see a scenario where he doesn't play in this game, but you just don't know if he's maybe at a hundred percent. If Messi is not playing in this game, they should postpone it. Let's be <laughs> I'm with like, you. Like seriously, like if he if you're not gonna get the best of the best playing at their best, right? They should postpone the game. Right? Leo Messi means everything to Argentina. He's I think he's the GOAT, right? He's been doing this for so long. This is his chance, right? He finally got a Copa America, finally took it over the top, and then it's just like, we're gonna let a hammy get in the way of this? No, come on, rain check. Let's do this later. Well, we just need to find we just need to find some some like rich Argentine oil mogul or something that can uh, pad Johnny Infantino's pockets if that's the case because FIFA will definitely take a bribe for it as we all know. But um, <laughs> yeah, inclement weather, you know, traffic into the stadium, whatever we need to do. I, I I'm I'm so ready for this final Sunday, but um, the the thought of like no Messi or like Messi subbed at like. 28 minutes as he limps off is just so heartbreaking i'm not even gonna entertain I'm not I, even, even gonna I know it. i know i i hated even I, saying it but it's i won't like, even put that energy into the ether well you brought it up and then i was like god i started thinking about it and that was the worst thing but uh oh france going for back to back and argentina to cement messy here i i, I feel I, like honestly, we have I, we to couldn't have asked, we couldn't have asked for more we couldn't have asked uh, yeah for more. i agree I, I feel like we have to um as a platform we have to die on a hill so uh, what is your prediction, Andrew? What we we gotta, you know, we gotta make a stand for the people here. So if if you had to, if I'm I've got a gun to your head, where, where are you going score wise in this game? So the other the other part is it is that all my predictions are wrong, right? So like, do I fade? Do I do a self? Are you gonna fade yourself just, to like, like win a, like your a heart? Self fade to save to save France just because I truly want Argentina to win. Um, I think just to kind of go. 
I think contrarian of where my heart would want it to be. And I think where you're going to go, I'm going to go to no France. I'm going to go to no France. Just like a, just like the kind of, the kind of final that we all kind of hate is what I'm worried we're going to get with this. France just basically game. like a repeat of the Morocco France game. And, and almost kind of like the France Croatia game too, which I think was two, was it maybe two? No, maybe it ended up being more. Oh than that, no, no. Like, I think it was like four one or something. I, but it, but it was dead. That that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, that's what I'm afraid of. So France put the I'll, game away early. I'll go ahead and pick that because one, you guys listening know I have been wrong about every damn thing this side of picking Qatar to get out of the group. So I would love to be wrong here and we get a, a final for the ages. Spencer, what do you got, man? Well, like I said, my, my head pragmatically tells me that France might cause some problems to Argentina. But if you think I'm not going to ride with, I already had a spiel like two episodes ago about yeah, dance dancing, with you, baby. dancing with who bought you. I'm, I got a nice, sexy lady next to me, nice, fine Argentine lady, and I'm dancing with her all day on Sunday, Andrew. I'm going to go, look, you said KG. I, I'm going to, you know, completely fade you, and I'm just going to go 3-2 Argentina extra time. I'm, I'm, again, my pick, not with my heart at all. I hope this is a coronation that, that ends with a messy free kick. I want him to go on a magical run. I want Mbappe to be at his best. I'm just worried we see KG and that Argentina isn't quite up to it. I can, like I said, pragmatically, I can – definitely see that outcome um but yeah i'm excited man I, and i'm not gonna lie in a weird sense i don't mean this in a way that i'm not i haven't enjoyed this world cup i've loved it but um in a weird sense like i'm i'm kind of looking forward to it ending at this point like i don't know i just I'm on the Twitter, you know, and I just see uh, like championship games are going on and stuff. And Man City's just ramping up their tweets and like Kevin De Bruyne is back at training and stuff. I'm a little excited to get back to clubs. I'm a little excited to get back to club soccer. What about you? Well, and and like we've said this before, we're we're absolute sickos for this. So, yeah, you know, I I was complaining about not having soccer on during the day after one day of not having it on during the day. And I'll be annoyed again tomorrow at 10 o'clock where it's like, you're telling me I haven't even watched soccer yet today? This sucks. Like, so for me, more is always better. And I'm ready to hopefully crown Messi, get back to the Premier League, get Todd buying some people, bringing them in. Let's go. I also just feel like as a somewhat, we'll have like a more of a roundup this weekend once we talk about it, but just in, in a weird way, like, there's just so much going on right now, man. Like I was talking to you before we got on asking you for like American fantasy football advice because that's happening. And like hockey just kicked off basketball's in full swing, college Mm -hmm. basketball, college football. There's just, this has been a fun one-off thing in some ways, but this event belongs in the summer. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, there's, there's so, it's been so, overload this last like month and it's i've loved it it's been like look look it's as much as we complain about the guitar thing if this was in like i don't know um argentina or something like yeah it'd be cool to see messi if it was in well i'm just saying specifically like a time zone to where it was like we were getting prime time games this would be so remarkably difficult if they're like oh um argentina is playing Mexico at 7 p.m. But there's also 
Georgia is playing Alabama right, in the SEC exactly. championship at this time. Like this would have been a, a shit show. So thank God we had the morning slates. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to get back to a little bit more normalized sporting yeah, life because this is just it's Saturday, been a lot. Sunday, the early morning, it's been a lot, and we've loved bringing it to you. And honestly, like this, and then like the NCAA tournament is when it's just like, oh, I just love sports, man. Sports yeah. is so like all these games on, I want to see the upset. I just want it to be on. Right. hundred percent. And, um, I think the last thing we got to get to before we get out of here is speaking of being a lot, um, us MNT Twitter is being a lot. Cause, uh, we, we got to touch on it the other day. We didn't have a ton of context cause it literally dropped right before we started recording, but this bear halter geo Reina stuff, man. Ugh. Yeah, do you want to do you want to kind of walk us through it? Because there was the initial quote from Burhalter, which I know we kind of or like the anonymous source of Burhalter being like, I don't want to name any players, but we almost kicked out Gio Reyna. Yeah, so basically now the greater context is that he was at some type of leadership summit thing speaking, and he bought up a story of like leadership and team building and stuff and his Instead of, you know, using something that was obviously already well reported in the media, like the Weston McKinney story or something that they've already gotten through in the past or, that or was like already well anything known. anything with Columbus, because nobody right. knows that shit, man. You could have right. sat Ziasi's artist down for a month. I wouldn't have known. Right. He um, instead decides to go to a very recent example and um, talk about a player that was upset at this last world cup that they had to get back on side and stuff. And it was drama. And basically that's, uh, I, I believe the guys that were mentioned was like Yedlin and long that had to go talk to Reina mm-hmm. and kind of help get him back on side. Um, like you said, when he said this at this summit or whatever it was, he did not mention geo by name, but very quickly USMNT fans were putting two and two together and realizing right. that's what it was. And it so sure I think it wasn't Paul Areola. So we right. got to figure this out. Yeah. So I think literally by the time we like stopped recording and like, I, I think when we were at, when I was editing the pod on Sunday, uh, you sent me of like the athletic confirming that he was talking about Gio Reyna. And I'm like, yeah, fucking of course, as soon as we talk about this and we're like, allegedly, allegedly, of Joe course, Scali then it comes had out. such a bad attitude. And like, no, Joe Joey Scales would never, didn't get to go to the aquarium and he was had poopy pants, but no, it was Gio Reyna. And um, yeah, essentially the story is that Bear Halter, Gio's side of the story is that Bear Halter came to him before the tournament started and like very early on told him that he was going to have a very limited role at this tournament. And not, uh, not what anybody wants to hear. Not what anybody wants to hear. And um. Look, look, Gio doesn't come out of this completely clean and that he he even admitted himself that he had a bad attitude about that and that he didn't give it at all, his all in training and he kind of was dragging his feet and a little upset about it. Um, naturally, it's natural to be upset about it, but um, he, like I said, he admitted himself that he didn't take it the right way and channel that energy correctly. But um, yeah, it's... um. It's a messy situation all around, man. I think we all know that he's one of our most talented players. We want him to be a big, crucial part of this team. Um, 
like I said, he's not perfect in this. You would wish that he would channel that energy. I don't know if that's what Bear Halter was looking for, potentially by saying he had a limited role and trying to like light a fire under him or something. But I, I don't know. This whole situation sucks, man. Well, like just to play devil's advocate, like Greg going to a player, if they're like an experienced player saying, hey, you may not have a big role at this World Cup. I just want to let you know that. It's fine. When the guy's 19 and playing in the Bundesliga and lighting the world on fire and he comes from U.S. men's national team royalty, like, that's probably the wrong move, right? Realistically, to tell somebody before the tournament, like, basically the opposite of, like, hey, stay ready. It's like, hey, don't stay ready. We're not going to need you, right? And even if, like, that was true, because the thing we kind of talked about throughout the tournament is, like, to put Reyna on, who do you take off? Right, mm -hmm. Pulisic, Wea, and then whoever the number nine is, and Wea had the tournament of his life, man. Guy was playing incredible. So, even if that was like the right idea, it was obviously received poorly. He obviously like Burhalter's like, I don't know. I kind of brought up like his man management and recruitment as like points for him. And it's like, is this why he pisses off John Brooks? You know what I mean? Like, is is this the kind of stuff that Burhalter brings up unnecessarily of like? causing issues with these guys and then they don't want to come in for camp and then they do and you know like this stuff does happen in soccer right I'm not just saying Burholder's is the only one but like everybody from Gio Reyna's camp right guys at people at Dortmund right like people who granted have skin in the game of why they wouldn't say something bad about him but were like shocked right like not like oh yeah he can be a little moody they were like we literally have no idea what you're talking about and you took some you basically took a kid's present away the day before Christmas and then was like, Why are you having a bad attitude about this? Yeah. Um, I agree with you that look, for for me from somebody on the outside, I think we can say that's the wrong move. Um I do think this is where it gets difficult and that we aren't around these people every day. Like look, or, or, I, I, I literally never around them. Yeah. But I, I think it's it's the type of thing of like I think something to compare it to in like our lives is like I've dated different girls and that they all have like, obviously they all have personalities. Like I have friends, they have all different personalities. Like there are friends that if I criticize them, they will, you know, shrivel a bit and there's friends that you can criticize them. And then you guys are just like talking shit and you're having fun. Like, mm -hmm. um, I, like I, I don't know where Geo falls on this whole scale. It, it seems like maybe Craig Bearhalter didn't know where Geo falls on this whole scale too. Which is his uh, job. Yes, his job is to know. Yes, right? and yeah. I, that's, that's where I a I, I think that's a big point of criticism for Bearhalter in this whole thing. But also b the fact that uh, look, I, I maintain what I said the other day. This this just this shouldn't have ever gotten out. Like this should just, right. yes. I, I don't understand why, what his thinking was and even like bringing this to light and even making this a story. And I, I, I think that's the biggest criticism you can have of Bear Halter in this whole circumstance is look, man, like these are the type of things. If you're a great coach, like talk about this in 20 years when you and G when Gio's retiring right from the U S team. Man. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, why when, athletes write books. This is why exactly coaches write books. Oh, you'll never, Oh, Burhalter finally reveals why Gio Reyna never. Oh, okay. That's that's, he just cost himself 1995 of me buying a paperback about 20 years from now. Right. So it's a poor man management decision. It's a poor financial decision from Greg. And like, 
he literally picked the youngest best player and was like, you know who maybe I'll have a beef with? And people are already sniffing around this on Twitter. Like, it's just such a move that's like, I don't understand you at all, man. Like, yeah. And I don't know that he needs to lose. I mean, he shouldn't lose his job over this, right? But like, if this is a re- well, like, no, no, no. What I was going to say is like over this specifically, right? It's not like we won the World Cup and we're firing him because Gio Reyna is not going to want to play with him. But he's literally the youngest best player. Why would <laughs> if he wants to pick a fight with Tim Ream? It's not a long term fight. Let's be real. We all love the man bun. Why would you pick a fight with the guy who you are? if you're keeping this job inevitably going to need to have a very good working relationship with that. Like, I don't understand. I don't get it's it. just, it's, it's weird, dude, because we talked about for me specifically, I know I mentioned that the vibes on this team seem very good. And I'm not saying they aren't like, I, I think a lot of the oh, guys there are happy. A lot of the guys there are happy. Like multiple guys like a Yedlin, like we said, have like said this culture around this team is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I think Greg Bearhalter should be at least Respo- yeah. responsible yeah. for that, at least at least in some part. And yeah, he, gets, he gets credit for it, for sure. At the same time, though, um, he has to take a lot of responsibility for this. And even if you're a guy that's on that team and is very pro-Bearhalter, like, uh, like maybe, and this is the weird thing of like not being there and not knowing the room, but... Um, I have to imagine Gio has some friends on that team and they don't like seeing their buddy get just like basically thrown under the bus by the manager. That's that doesn't play well. So I, I don't know. This is this is all just multifactoral, very right. complicated. I, I think it's something that Bear Halter could lose his job over. Like, I think that mm-hmm. it's it's, yep. it's definitely a point of contention when you go to renegotiate a contract with him, at least potentially. Right. And and I, the only reason I, I kind of said, like, not losing his job over this specifically, it's because, like, the pattern I'm establishing with, like, John Brooks, really good player, right? Gets called in early for the last World Cup, right? He was one of the only people who scored in it for us, right, with that header late. But, like, to alienate someone like that, and maybe it's John Brooks's fault, which is kind of where I was coming down on this before, but now I think about it and go, hmm, did Greg just basically walk up to him and for no reason be like, don't expect to play today. What? Right. You know, like I'm a leader on this team. Why would I not expect to play? You want guys to be competitive and obviously you can't play everyone, right? You can't, every time you post the 11 on the locker room door, you can't like devastate half the locker room. But I, I think that this is the kind of thing that can show maybe not where we are, but maybe where we're going, if there's going to be more ongoing issues with this and, absolutely a reason to look at firing this guy right and i think what you just brought up is a great point and that now if nothing else um look i don't think people were asking that question about like a john brooks but like now that's Mm -hmm. that's a point of discussion now like now we're like okay why why is the john brooks thing a thing why is the um emergency call tim reeman right he wasn't yeah why why wasn't tim reeman a thing until this world cup just started why um does a guy like uh, like is the Peppy thing deeper than we thought it was? Because um, mm-hmm. Peppy, remember when he didn't get selected, was like his 
it, it was coming out that he was super, super upset, which you were just like, I mean, yeah, he's going to be upset. It's like a world cup, but he was, he, like the thing that were coming out of his camp was that he thought he did it enough. He, it was his understanding. He did enough. So like, was this a miscommunication too? Like now we're at least asking these questions because of this drama. Yeah. And, and it's, when you open yourself up to this kind of criticism, which is exactly what he did, right? Before he did this, you have we have, we were both on the record being like, you know, I don't know that it's right to fire him. I don't know that I'm, you know, railing to get the next guy in here, no matter who it is. I think we both kind of had the cautiously optimistic, like, well, who else is really out there? You know, like approach to it, right? If we can get a great coach, that's fine, but I don't want to fire him for nothing. And now I'm sitting here going like, why would we willingly subject ourselves to this we have a good young team that showed themselves well at this world cup we're hosting the next one right like we're never going to be more appealing as a soccer nation than we are right now you know coming off of this right if we're talking about attracting like a top tier coach and you know bringing in a guy's brother looks worse and worse all the time because that's what they did yeah, and I think we can just round it off with that. I, I think that it's we not stand, a good look for either. Gio. We stand for Gio. Yes, and I do stand for Gio, and I don't want to come off like I'm being too tough on him, but like I, I do, and I think this is the big thing too that some people I've seen that have gone, uh, I, I'd say 95% of people are on Gio's side in this, but some of that 5% they go and they're like, well, he has to, which I agree with. He has to be more mature about it and stuff, but the guy's 20 years old. You just turned 20. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was a fucking idiot nine years ago. I was a fucking <laughs> moron. You're telling me the 20 year old's mad. He doesn't get to play outside with his friends. Yeah, I am. Sometimes, yeah. that, sometimes that doesn't go over real well. I was such like, a moron nine years ago. I was such a moron. Like, Two years ago, like I, he's just, I he's not on earlier today. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like even just from an immaturity standpoint, like yeah. a couple that, that like, dude, at 20 years old, I was so immature. Like, I think we all were so immature at 20 and it's just like, he's still young. And I, I, I tend to side on the fact that this is not a huge knock against him long-term. Like he's, he's got some things to figure out, maybe work rate and, professionalism wise, but I think he's going to be fine for this team. Well, and like even just the way that Greg told this story, right. He could have given this as an example of what a great culture we have, right. Of there was a player I disappointed by not playing as much. Right. And two older guys on the team took him aside. Right. And, you know, kind of brought him back into the fold, but then it gets out that like they took a vote on it and it was 13 to 12 to send the dude home. Like, Hey man, you were one non-friend away from just leaving in disgrace. Right? Like I understand like if you feel like a guy's part of the cancer of the team, right? You cut that out, but at the same time it's just like no one should ever find out until you write your book. Greg, I could have spent 30 bucks on the hardcover for that. Like what are we doing? Yeah, 100%. Just like I said, at the end of the day this is all just a messy situation that you wish didn't get out. And uh, just as a point of reference to people that don't follow the other teams as deeply, like Luis Enrique, the coach of Spain came out today and there's basically a equivalent story with Spain, a very similar story with Spain to this Gio Reyna thing of like, they, they came out and they said that I, I believe the I'm butchering the quotes. I'm reading it off the top of my head, but 
Luis Enrique said something along the lines of if he could change anything, he would have bought 25 players instead of 26 because one of them was like really mess was like messing up with the squad chemistry. So this yeah. is not a uniquely U.S. thing. I would say the difference Luis is Enrique that, is not coaching Spain anymore. So already fired. Whatever the hell he wants. Say it's whatever ex- you want. Drake exactly is like, what hey, I, I don't know if you guys say. at this conference want a scoop, but uh, grab a bowl and sit down, bud, because I've got some ice cream for you. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like that was, yeah, that was my big problem with the two. Is that's that's the huge difference. Is Luis Enrique already not employed by Spain? It's it's four year. It's it's been an eight year long journey, and here I am again saying, U.S. soccer, what are we doing? What are we doing? And again, but um, no, I, I super excited for this final on Sunday. Um, not very excited for the third place game on Saturday, but as a sicko, I probably will watch it whether by accident or not. But um, stick with us here. We have got more soccer content coming your way. We've got, we will have a review of the final and the tournament as a whole. And then keep a lookout, boys, because we are coming back to English soccer here. We are coming back to the EPL, and we have got some stuff planned for you guys. Isn't it crazy that like we're in a week from now, we're just going to have to completely reset from this international to this club thing. Like just, uh-huh. just complete reset. And um, I, I, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm looking forward to it kind of, man. Yeah. I really am. I'm already seeing Carne Chukwamenka and, uh, you know, Omari Hutchinson really tearing it up for the Chelsea reserve team, you know, basically playing right now in friendlies against other premier league teams. So it kind of feels it's weirdly feels like preseason because I don't really know what the squad's gonna look like. <laughs> you know that feeling you get in like August where you're like, I think I know what our team looks like, but we could make some moves and I don't know who's gonna be healthy and you know, like I don't know how we're gonna do. It's, like we basically just get to re- we get like a hard reset on the season here, except for Chelsea's got a fucking hole. <laughs> well, we got like this hole you know preview like planned and i i'm looking forward to it but it's just the type of thing that i'll just you know shit on my credibility like i love to do and i'm just like i don't fucking know like yeah all these guys at aston villa have not been playing in the world cup and all these guys at liverpool and man city have like i I don't know are they fresh are they rusty i I don't know how this is we we don't know and we won't know um but we will try to tell you we, we will come up with an opinion. I'll make my best guess. My guess has been pretty good lately as we've detailed, so we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, that, that being said, I, uh, I think it's definitely time to get out of here. Enjoy our last weekend of World Cup soccer. But unless you got anything else, Spencer, I think I'm good to go, man. Nothing. Just uh, can't wait for this third-place game and the emergency reaction pod on yeah, Saturday. I might, not even, I might not even watch the final. I think it's this third-place game. That's really where yeah. it needs to be. I, well, I think that if Morocco does win that game, I might just take a flight to Casablanca and go party for the rest of the weekend because that's going to be a great time. Here's looking at you, kid. <laughs> but uh, no, I ain't got nothing else. We'll, we'll be back uh, probably you know Sunday night or early Monday morning with that uh, reaction pod and We'll go from there, my friend. Until next time, buddy. I'll see you around. Later.